It's time for Blessed to Play on EWTN Radio, uncovering the role that faith plays in the lives of sports professionals from around the country. And now, here's your host, Ron Meyer. Fire score! My guest today is Brad Soderberg. He's the assistant coach at University of Virginia Cavaliers, national champions a few years ago. We'll talk about that for sure. Brad previously had head coaching positions at Lindenwood University, St. Louis University, South Dakota State, Loris College, and he was an interim head coach at the University of Wisconsin. Uh, we'll talk about his long career, in fact, uh, 20 years, I believe, in coaching and uh, what values that he holds that makes him the person that he is today. I'd like to welcome Brad Soderberg to Bless the Play. Brad, thanks for coming on. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. So obviously you came from a uh, a father who was quite a successful coach. In fact, he's in the Wisconsin Basketball Hall of Fame, Don Soderberg. So I think it's natural for a son to follow in his father's footsteps. So you were really impressed with the game of basketball from those earliest days. Oh, was I ever. And in, in fact, my dad is also in the Football Hall of Fame in the state of Wisconsin, which I think is pretty unique. Um, he was a high school coach his whole career and and as is typical at Catholic high schools, he coached two sports. But um, yeah, so I was either on the football field or in the in the gymnasium for as you know literally from as long as I could remember. Because you know any coach's kid knows if you want to spend time with dad, you have to go to the gym or the or the field in order to to get that time. So um, it's all I ever wanted to do, quite frankly. I think as is typical with a lot of uh, youngsters that want to follow in the footsteps of their dad. That's what I wanted to do, and he just happened to be a coach. So when you're a son of a great uh, coach and you're playing at Paselli High School there in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, did you feel a lot of pressure to perform as such? Um, not especially. Um, my dad was pretty hard on, on me and my brothers. Uh, he coached all of us, and so I don't I don't ever feel like my – my friends and my classmates felt like I or my brothers were getting any special treatment because he, he was a he was a taskmaster to say the least. Um, so no, I, I didn't feel any pressure. I I just uh, enjoyed it. It was intense. Um, I think the way players are coached now is different than it was back then. It was more uh, fire and brimstone, <laughs> and uh, I just kind of fell in line with all the rest of my teammates. Now, you went to University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point to take your game to the college level, and you got to play under a legendary uh, head coach in Dick Bennett. And uh, we'll talk about that experience. Was that when you were first introduced to the pack line defense during your times at Wisconsin-Stevens Point? Um, not exactly. Uh, when when I played for, for I call him coach, the, the guy I work for now I call Tony. <laughs> but uh, when I played for coach, he – he ran a different defense, which is probably more than we need to get into on this uh, broadcast, but um, it, it was not the pack defense. Um, he, Coach Bennett, <clears throat> began that uh, pack defense when he was at the University of Wisconsin, Green Bay, and then again when I rejoined him at, at the University of Wisconsin. But uh, when I was in college, we played a different uh, defense, which was um, a little bit more aggressive than the one that we play here at Virginia and that he used at Wisconsin. Yeah, I'm so impressed with the Peck line defense. I had a, a chance to be at a Nike basketball clinic and talk to Dick Bennett and uh, 
it's nothing sexy about it, but it's so effective. And, and, and he did so well with it over the course of a number of years and now has built this system and passed it along, of course, to Tony Bennett, which we'll get into. But let's talk about your desire to go into coaching. And we mentioned that your dad was a, a great uh, basketball coach. And now, obviously, you play the game. When did you decide that you wanted to make this your career? It's kind of a funny story, but um, my mother kept a, a baby book of each of her seven children, and and it you know like what did they do at one, what did they do at two, what did they do at three. Well, on the page for age five, I in my little you know youthful handwriting wrote, "I want to be a coach." Mm-hmm. So the truth of the matter is, um, if I knew what I was talking about, I wanted to do it when I was five years old, and I have no reason to believe that. That that wasn't the start of it because literally I just fell in love with the profession. I wanted to be around sports and I um, and as I tell many people, I haven't worked a day in my life because I've done what I loved. Um, I'm in my 35th season as a college basketball coach now, so I'm living the dream, as they say. Yeah, absolutely. And you uh, you went along the way as an assistant. You finally got your first uh, head coaching gig, I believe, at South Dakota State University. And talk about that, Brad. When you have all these great coaches, how do you develop something of your own identity? Because you're, you've seen a lot of different philosophies that are successful. How do you become Brad Soderberg as a head coach? Um, that's a great question. I, I think... Uh as any coach will acknowledge, they gain something from everybody they work with and that they play for. My first head coaching job was actually a a Catholic college in Dubuque, Iowa called Morris College. And I was only 25 years old when I was the head coach there. And I I just think that um, I just tried to be myself. I learned that lesson from uh, playing for Dick Bennett. Um, I was his captain one year and he called me in, me and my fellow senior, and he said, fellas, the first thing you need to know about being a leader and being a, you know, a captain in this case is you, you have to be who you are. Um, if, if you're not a rah-rah guy, then don't try to, you know, then don't try to be Mr. Uh, laid back. And if you're a laid back guy, don't try to be Mr. Rah-rah. And mm-hmm. I'll never forget that because, you know, I'm more of a type A guy and, and pretty uh, animated as, as a coach. And, and I don't try to back off of that. It, it is who I am. And, and I think that that's, that's been a great piece of advice my whole career. Blessed to play Ron Meyer chatting today with Brad Soderberg. He's the assistant men's basketball coach at the University of Virginia for the Cavaliers. And uh, I'm skipping ahead here because of time. Uh, I know you had an interim's head coaching gig at the University of Wisconsin when uh, Dick Bennett stepped down. And now you get to coach under his son, Tony Bennett. And you've been asked these questions, I'm sure, uh, ad nauseum. But what I'm impressed with is just the mental fortitude of a team, a coaching staff and players. And when you're in the NCAA tournament and you're a number one seed and you lose the 16, and then the next year you come back and win it all. uh, I know there's a lot of stuff that's going on uh, in practices, uh, building a team culture, overcoming that adversity. Talk about that the tough part of losing that game and then the following year, what were steps that went into enabling you to become NCAA champions? Um, You're right. We've been asked this question a lot and we've had plenty of time to reflect on it. And um, my, the most succinct answer I can give you is the reason that we were able to go from that most devastating loss to the euphoria of a national championship is our leader. 
Um, I think uh, Tony Bennett, though I'm very biased, I think he is the best basketball coach in the United States. And I'd say that with all due respect to the grocery list of great coaches we have in the ACC. But I contend that the the combination of Tony's, um, his personality, his bench decorum, his ability to recruit and relate with today's athlete, his Christian foundation, his humility, the, the list goes on and on and on. I've said to many booster groups at UVA, if you made a grocery list of the things you're looking for in a head coach, mm-hmm. um, I would I would give a check mark with an A plus at each of those. He is just a tremendous basketball coach. Had I only been in the business for four or five years, I wouldn't have the right to say it, but I've seen a lot. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've as I said earlier, I've been in the business for 35 years. I've you know d- done my best as a head coach. I've been at all three levels of the NCAA Division three, two, and one both as a head coach and an assistant. So I've seen a lot. And and Tony just has an incredible knack. Now, specific to your question, um, there there were so many times after that loss to UMBC that I said to myself, having been a head coach, what's Tony going to do now? And, and it happened right after the game against UMBC. We were sitting in this little uh, kind of a waiting area for him to go to the press room um, after that game. And I was thinking to myself, what what's he going to do? What's he going to say? We're the first team in the history of the NCAA tournament to be a number one seed lose, lose to a 16. And I just, I could see him out of the corner of my eye, just offering some sort of quiet prayer. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, you know, there was a knock on the door and he had to go address the media and he did a phenomenal job, just incredible uh, poised statement with class and, um, no blame to any player, no blame to anybody, just complimented the opponent. He handled it in such a way that I don't know that I could have done it. And it's that was the first step in the recovery, which took a long, long time. And um, one other quick little example I can give you is um, once the next, you know, once that season was over and the guys finished final exams for that year, and we gave them a couple weeks off before we brought it back for the summer, that first meeting we had back, um, he called the guys into our room and he said, and, and we talked about the pain of the loss. He, he asked each of the returners, tell me what you've learned. Tell me how you feel. And, and his, his message at the end of it was, don't dismiss this. You embrace the loss, mm-hmm. accept it, embrace it. Don't be afraid to talk about it. And that was the beginning of the healing. And, uh, it was a long battle because we took some abuse in the media. We the, the number of emails and text messages and things that our staff and players got uh, as as insults and so on was very hard. And but on the other hand, brought us together in a way that probably led us to the national championship. So I hope someday it's a movie of. Because I think it's it's worthy of a of that kind of a setting. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember watching that Tony Bennett press conference and. I got the feeling that Tony accepted that this is just part of the plan. And I knew that faith was uh, a very important part of his life. And I also thought in my mind, if Bobby Knight was in the same position, this this presser would have had a different tone to it. So, an in- If you don't mind, an interesting uh, kind of anecdote after that is uh, maybe a week later, I was following up on recruiting calls and it was hard to you know get back at that. And I I remember talking to the mother of a young man that we were recruiting very heavily. And I kind of was like, 
you know, ma'am, I, I just, I hope that that loss and, the, you know, doesn't sway your kid in a different direction. And, you know, I was, I was scrambling for a way to, you know, kind of put a good, good face on that loss. And the, she said something, so I'll never forget it in my whole life. She said, she said, coach, what, what Tony Bennett said in that press conference makes me more interested in having your son come to Virginia than had you won the game. And I was like, wow, you know, that that's a just a unsolicited uh, perspective from someone that was, you know, kind of evaluating everything. And do I want my son to go there? And and she was more impressed with the way he handled the press conference than the way he handled the game itself. So um, th- that that was very reassuring to me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what a phenomenal individual Tony Bennett is to not only have class, but to uh, lead his team to virtue and to uh, persevere through the tough times and obviously to win that national championship. All right, let's take a break. I'm chatting with Brad Soderberg, the assistant men's basketball coach at the University of Virginia. We have much more on the other side when Bless the Play returns. to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Welcome back to Blessed to Play. Ron Meyer joined today by Brad Soderberg. He's the assistant coach for the University of Virginia Cavaliers men's basketball team. National champions a couple years back. Um, what a great story it is. If you listen to the first half of the show, uh, a team that has dealt with much adversity and then became national champions, and that's, uh, that's a great story. A lot of life lessons in that as well, not just on the sports side. But Brad is motivated by faith. I know his Catholic faith is an important part of his life. And Brad, uh, talk about your journey. Has this always been the case, uh, even as far as uh, living your faith out as a basketball coach? Um, I'd like to say it always was, but that would be a lie. Um, I I, uh, am the oldest of seven uh, children raised by Catholic parents, but I would say that I was, you know, a lukewarm Catholic most of my life. Um, I have to give my mother tremendous amount of credit. she uh, was a stay-at-home mom raising seven kids, and, and my dad was a, you know, a, a, a teacher and a coach at a Catholic high school, so you know that the income wasn't very high. Uh, but I'll never forget, and I've told my mother this since, uh, we lost our dad uh, last year, and so we've had a little bit more time to share things with our mother. But, but I told mom, I said, you may not know it, but I'll never forget is for the rest of my life when we would be at mass together and communion would be over, my mom would always be in, in just very reflective prayer with her eyes closed, kneeling, her head bowed to give thanks for the blessed sacrament that she had just received. Despite the fact that the seven of us were probably, you know, under the pews and over the pew, we were, we were uh, quite a gang, but I told mom, I said, mom, I didn't notice it at the, I mean, I don't, it didn't resonate with me at the time, but now as I become more serious in my faith and I'm a, I'm a daily mass attendant and, and I just 
just relished the opportunity to receive the Blessed Sacrament every day. I remember my mom, that that she set that seed in my mind, and I'm sure in, this, in the minds of my own siblings, that this matters. This mat- Why is mom kneeling there with such great reverence and silence mm-hmm. um, after having received this gift? And that, that's just one little example of, you know, what, what parents can do for their children when they don't even realize it. And, and I, uh, I'll never forget that from my mom and, of course, my dad as well. But in this case, uh, my mom had a specific uh, in, impact on me. Yeah, and, and you have those great examples of faith. And I want to talk to some overarching themes th- that deal with faith, and that is humility and servanthood. And you don't really think about these two uh, virtues when you're talking about a coach at the Division One level who so much pressure putting on winning and uh, all the fanfare that goes along with it. But when I think of humility and servanthood with regards to a coach, this is quite effective even in the midst of a hot competitive environment. I actually think it's more potent um, in the midst of this, the, the competitive environment that we're, we find ourselves in because it's so drastically different than what the world is telling us. As I hear Tony and Coach Bennett having said with the foundational principle of our program, um, They'll tell our guys, society tells you it's all about you. You know, if, if you listen to anything, radio, music, they listen to the movies, it's about you. What What is owed to you where we are teaching you? No, it's about humility. You're not, you're, you're no, you're no better or worse than anybody else. You're, you're, you need to be humble. You need to know who you are. And that's just one example of what. Tony and Dick and the rest of our staff try to promote with our players. And I, I don't think I'm overstating this when I would, if I would tell you that coach Bennett, he emphasizes our five foundational principles, even more than defensive technique or shooting technique or passing or catching that, that, that has had more of an impact on the success of the UVA program and, and back at Washington state when he was there and at the university of Wisconsin where his dad was, um, than, than anything else. And I think that for young coaches, when I get to speak at coaches clinics, I talk about that. It's not so much about you coming up with the greatest offensive scheme that you, that anybody else has seen. It's, it's those principles that you're teaching that the unselfishness and the, the servanthood attitude and being thankful for, every circumstance that you go through. Those are just little things that I think young coaches need to really embrace in their philosophy. Brad, when you, the new recruits come in and they, uh, you know, they're, uh, I guess, indoctrinated, if you will, for lack of a better word, to the Tony Bennett philosophy. And, and, and you're part of this as well. Uh, there are big fish at the high school level, probably all state. They're coming to the university of Virginia and they're, they're getting probably something that they, they might not, have heard at the high school level these philosophies. It's not all about basketball, but it's about humility, servanthood. Uh, you know, being a good teammate for your uh, for your team. Um, it's a sacrificial type of attitude that they need to have. Are they are they kind of uh, have to get used to it? I believe so. Uh, you know, we have a number of first year players right now and wonderful young men, but it, it is different for them. And I think that. Um, it is an adjustment, but I also believe um, the vetting process that we do as a staff before we bring a young man to University of Virginia, and in particular, the 
the official visit that they have when they are in the process of making their decision involves them sitting with Tony and our staff. And we don't we don't um, beat around the bush. We tell them um, we are different than almost everybody else that we're aware of. And we don't pretend that we're better, but they need to understand we do things differently. We <laughs> one thing that I learned from Tony that I hadn't heard before, but he says this to every kid. He said, I have to know. And he looks at the mom and the dad and the kid. I have to know that we can lose with you. Well, the first time I heard that, I kind of <laughs> rolled my eyes a little bit to myself. I'm like, what are you talking about? We're, we've got to match up with Duke and Carolina and blah, blah, blah. And you're asked, you're trying to figure out if we can lose with them. And then he goes on to explain, no matter where you go, no matter who you are, no matter what venture in life you're going through, you are going to fail, whether it's mm -hmm. you don't get the promotion that you'd hoped for, you fail an exam, you lose, you're not playing as much during the course of the season as you think you should as a first-year player or whatever the case may be. And he says, I need to know that in those difficult circumstances, you're not going to bail on us. You're, you're going to remain resolute. You're going to keep going. And if that, Ron, isn't something that all of us can embrace in our faith life, in our mm -hmm. business life, in our family life, it's just so appropriate. And I don't know how many coaches teach that kind of attitude. Yeah, those are great words there for sure. Blessed to play Ron Meyer chatting once again with Brad Soderberg at a successful basketball coach at the Division I level, level now with the University of Virginia as their assistant men's basketball coach. Now, Brad, you're a father, and I have the uh, the honor of interviewing your son, Kramer, who is a coach now and uh, working up the ranks of the uh, collegiate basketball uh, system there. But, but I want you to talk to parents that may be listening to this show. And, um, you know, sometimes parents could live their lives vicariously through their son or daughter and want them to get that scholarship, and they push them so hard. What is the right balance of encouraging your kid to pursue athletic excellence, but also, you know, knowing when to take the reins off so you're not, you don't become overbearing? Uh, I think that's a, a another tremendous question, Ron, because I think uh, I've been in a unique position where my wife and I have raised three children, all of whom were athletes. And now I'm coaching um, guys whose parents, of course, are uh, very involved in, in what goes on, I would if I could address all parents of of athletes at any level, mm -hmm. I would tell them first of all, make sure your children are enjoying the experience. I I get so many times I see kids just at a young age they're they're upset about a mistake or a missed goal or a, a swing and a miss at bat, and then you you kind of see mom and dad in the in the background with their their you know hands in their face or you know it's just like the, the stress is obvious. It needs to be fun. And when it stops being fun, I think that's when the improvement ends. Whereas when it's enjoyable, the kids want to play more and they practice more and so on. The other thing that, that I think is really significant is that you as a parent have to explain in one way or the other to your children, all that matters is that you do the best you can. If and, and this is the where the title of Kramer's book came from, which is Fill Your Cup for Christ. Well, I, I had presented that to him, as, as he points out in the book, about at a basketball camp, that each of us is given a certain amount of ability. 
and this was basketball specific. I mean, if, if you're five, nine and you don't jump very well, the chances of you making it to the NBA are almost insignificantly impossible. You're not going to do it. However, that's not the point. Mm -hmm. Enjoy the game, do the best you can and so on and so forth. And I think that carries over to, to a lot of areas. And, uh, you know, as, as my wife and I are proud of our other two, we're just so pleased and thankful, but I can tell you this, we, as parents, we have prayed daily for our children um, in whatever way, whether it be just, you know, morning prayer or um, a rosary that we pray for our children just for their well-being. And most of all, that they'll live their lives close to the Lord and our blessed mother. And by the grace of God, you know, we've been blessed in that way. One other thing, if you don't mind, Ron, something I, I've... Uh, once I got serious about my faith, as I told you in this earlier in the interview, I've, I've become a daily mass attendant. I do everything I can to spend a little time in the Eucharistic chapel every day. And I never knew that Kramer noticed that. Literally, until I read the book, he said in there <laughs> that my dad would go to Eucharistic adoration daily. I never took him with me and I never knew that he knew, but he knew somehow he knew. And my point in saying that is parents need to understand you can say whatever you want to say, mm -hmm. but they they will, they will see what you do more than what you say. Very similar to how I reflected on my mother and, and her reflection after Eucharist. It's what we do more, more importantly than what we say. Yeah, indeed. And kids are watching you all, you know, they're, they have you on a, under a microscope 24-7 uh, watching your actions, and, and certainly they take notice for sure. Well, Brad Soderberg has been my guest. Uh, what a great man. I mean, living his faith out in a very competitive environment, and it, it gives you a new perspective on what coaching is all about and how to get the best out of players, and he's doing that for the Virginia Cavaliers National Champions and uh, Brad, I wish you the best. I know you're preparing right now for the upcoming season in some crazy times. So I hope that you're able to have a, a season and I hope March Madness returns. But I want to thank you for your words, sharing about your life and also uh, just making some time to come on Blessed to Play. Thanks so much. Ron, thank you for what you do for, for our Catholic Church as well. I know it's a, a, quite a ministry that you have. Hey, Blessed to Play fans, check us out on the web at www.blessedtoplay.com. That's blessed, the number two, play.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow the show on Twitter at Blessed to Play. For Brad Soderberg, I'm Ron Meyer. We'll catch you next time right here on Blessed to Play. You've been listening to Blessed to Play with host Ron Meyer on the EWTN Global Catholic Network. If you have a question or comment about today's show, feel free to email us at Info at blessedtoplay.com. That's blessed, the number two, play.com. You can also connect with the show on the web at www.blessedtoplay.com. Again, that's blessed, the number two, play.com. Join us again next time for Blessed to Play on the EWTN Global Catholic Network.